Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? Hey, hey, Michelle, I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> so glad to be here for so many reasons, you know. Well, tell me about it then. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 definitely been like one of those weeks, right? Yeah. There's a I mean, lot going on. I mean, not just in the everybody's world, but like in our own world. It's been one of right. those weeks. It yeah. has. I, it must be some, you know, like universal moment, right? It's full moon, <laughs> whatever it is. Like the planets are aligned in such a way that it's just that kind of week. So I'm glad to have the reprieve. Yeah. But I'm also just thrilled because this is kind of an important moment for us. This is. This is an exciting episode. Um, I can't believe it. Two years. Two years. Our two-year anniversary yeah. episode. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> you can see just the hundreds of people in the studio audience, you know, just clapping yes. wildly for us here. In their masks, socially distanced. Socially distanced, <laughs> six feet apart. It's actually, you know, it's three or four football fields full of people. Um, yeah, two years, two years ago, 2018. I know. When we launched so it. cool, you know. Literally it's... speaking, the podcast. Yeah. And, and it's... It's beyond a show. It's like a movement. It's it's <laughs> it's become things that people say, which is great. People are like, I've had an episode too. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty wild. Yeah, you know. Uh, and we are uh, coming up on you know a hundred episodes. I know I we've got know. a lot of bonus content out there too. So we are already in our in our library have a hundred and one things. 101 opportunities for for our listeners <laughs> Just to... Just in case you don't get enough of us. Listen to us. <laughs> in right. case you are, have run out of everything on Netflix, there's still clearly speaking it's the true. podcast that you can listen to. That's right. I know. Yeah. And how the world has changed, but not really. I mean... Two years it's, ago? There's some phenomenal differences. You know, this moment in time that we're experiencing right now is one that... You know, in our generation, in our lifetime, and in our children's and and those before us, like we will look back upon this time, not just our anniversary, but like this era, and and we will remember it, like nine eleven and these huge pivotal moments. It's right. This is that time, and it's like when we started out two years ago. You know, there was uh, you know some you know of course there was the Kavanaugh hearings and things like Mm. that. That you know we 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 definitely. Um, went uh, uh, deep and meaty when we need to, yeah. need to, and then of course we bring in the, the levity and and the joy. But since March of this year, yeah. we've had to be. There's been more seriousness. Yeah, it, it was. It I mean, was we balance it, but but you know, thinking about you know where we started and those conversations about you know the gray areas of. Of a consent mm-hmm. and Kavanaugh, and you know, as we've seen this current administration make certain decisions, you know, we've we've been having those conversations, and but it's definitely, it feels to me like these this was a precursor for our moment in time where we're at. You know, mm-hmm. it's really 
perplexing right now. Well, and I I felt I feel more um, more responsibility because mm-hmm. we do have this podcast. We do have listeners all over the world. I f- I feel a, a greater responsibility to be. I mean, we were always honest, but mm-hmm. not to be cavalier about what's happening in our world. You know, yeah. Um, let's. It was hard to be like. Well, let's talk about like shampoos. I agree you with know, you. Super, like a, like a superficial kind of topic yeah. when you know when there's so much people are going through, but I also want to balance it and with not being all doom and gloom and mm-hmm. you know can you believe it uh, things like that. So well, it's um, the organic conversation that right, we always try right, to employ. You know, right. and and it is I, I I appreciate what you said about you know we have this community here. You know, and I and I too agree that we have this responsibility to be truthful about how Mm -hmm. we're feeling and Mm -hmm. thinking because I think a lot of times people are afraid to have these conversations around those they care about because they know they don't always align with one another. And so rather than creating conflict, we just put on pleasantries. But we are in such an important moment of time that Let's have wine and have the conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think last week's episode uh, brought that up, that there are some some people who have the privilege of not having the conversations because things like that don't affect them so much. But... Um, uh, and others have to have the conversations because you know they mm-hmm. their family members or you know, they're they're personally affected by it. So um, I know you and I don't shy away from those conversations, um, and we want to continue to be that that mm-hmm. voice or that that go to or that safe haven for our listeners and um, and our clitorati all around the world because. We are all in this together, and if if we don't acknowledge the struggles and the and the challenges before us, how how alone are our listeners going to feel if they feel mm-hmm. like they're the only ones that mm-hmm. are out there doing that um, or having to fight it? So, um, but yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah. like we've we've um, you know our name is so tongue in cheek, uh, you know, clitorally speaking, that some people think it's just a it's a sex talk yeah. show, or it's all about you know um, sex, really, and, uh, and <laughs> which we like to talk about that too. Right, right. We have fun talking about it, but yeah. uh, but it, as as you know, as the clitoris has eight thousand nerves and yeah. is so um, so so vital. do our conversations, right? right? Yeah, um, yeah. We don't want to be just. A, we don't want to define ourselves and our listeners by you know the button that you know. Um, we know that we are way beyond you know what uh, what uh, society thinks is um, is a woman. Well, think about one of the earlier lessons we learned with Dr. Vicky Lynn about the clitoris and how you know it is way more expansive than the little button. It goes way deep within the yeah, body, yeah. which I think is a, a really great analogy for what we want to do with our conversations. Like, yeah, yeah but there are all these little hot points, right? But really we want to address topics and conversations that really hit us deep within. Yeah, yeah, you that know? bring, you know, um, a little massage here, a little massage <laughs> there. You know, we can get to, A like, little pleasure here, a little pleasure there. <laughs> right, right, just to the point of pain. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's been some episodes where, like, really? Have they, 
it's it's gone on an hour and forty minutes, you know, uh, and uh, that might be the painful point, <laughs> past the no return. But um, yeah, it's it's exciting yeah. times. Um, and I before we go any further, let's talk about no, let's talk about our beverage. Our beverage. Yeah. The, so since it's our anniversary birthday party, I thought. Bubbles are in order. Bubbles are in order. Right? And so I went for something that is um, domestic, something out of Napa, especially, you know, considering Napa is suffering right now. I want to give a little love out there. So Schramsberg is this um, wonderful Method de Champignois house out there that I love, 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 love. And, you know, maybe someday— our podcast can be a part of their library club because that would be amazing. Well, you know, you know put, it out, put there, it out there, universe. Yeah, so um, they have a delightful tasting experience. You go, you're like, you go into their caves that are candle lit. They still hand riddle all their champagne. It's not champagne, it's Method de Champignois. But they literally learned that technique from, I believe, the Vouve Clicquot. Like, wow. it's it's... You know, they they really are doing an old French style technique, and the end product is very, uh, it's very true to champagne style. So it is it is one of my favorite bubbles. Um, this is a thirty dollar bottle. It is a because um, it's our birthday. It's our birthday, so we can splurge. <laughs> and you know, in this thirty dollar bottle, you got tiny, Hi. tiny little sweet bubbles. Sweet, not sweet tasting. Just they're mm-hmm. darling. You know. Um, and it's uh, 93, this particular uh, bottle, says it's a 93-pointer. So, you know, it does pretty well for 30 bucks, I would say. This is the Brut. You can get the Mirabelle, I believe, in a Brut Rosé also. This is just the, the Blanc. Um, I always love this. It's, you know, it's despite the, like, kind of sweeter aromatics on the nose because you get that kind of toasty, you know, some of that yeasty breadiness on the mm-hmm. nose. Mm-hmm. That doesn't come through on the palate. Yeah, it's much drier. You get some of that like lime, kind of citrus notes um, on it that really make it seem fresh and bright. But it smells voluminous on your nose. And it tickles your tongue with all those little bubbles. It does. It does. It dance on your tongue. It does. It's, it's wonderful. What yeah. do you think? I think it's delightful. I've already um, drank half the glass before for me before we started you know, know. Uh, recording. Woo. We're like, Sam, press Woo. press record uh, before Michelle's uh, finished it all. I think it's uh, lovely, um, and and you're absolutely right in everything that you've described it. Um, <laughs> bear with me, Emily. Okay, <laughs> what are we wearing today? It's it's a uh, a pair. Uh, it's a it's in honor of our anniversary episode, our party. It is a bra and panty set that um, sparkles. Mm. Like, it could be sparklers, like Fourth of July sparklers, oh God, but they're I not really that. sparklers, you know? But it's like... Can it sparkle? Like, can it actually sparkle and sizzle? It, I love that it idea. It can. It can <laughs> if you want to. But yeah, that's, you know, just sort of like, it doesn't need anything else. You don't need to wear anything else when you have that on with your sparkly, um, um, sparkly, oh. sparkling. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
a pair of uh, underwear and uh, bra matching it. set. That's, I think that's fabulous. I can just see like these little spinners now on the front of that bra, like shooting yeah, out sparks. And, and on, the, on the panties, you <laughs> yeah. know, just sort of like, so as you move, just like when you're, you know, Fourth uh, of July as a kid, yeah. you take the sparklers and draw as you move, you're leaving a line. Mm-hmm. And, I love those. Yeah, that's, that's what I got today for you. I think that's delightful. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, that's what came to me. Oh my oh, gosh. Good, good. Yeah. So thinking about these last two years, like, you know, what what is something you're kind of most astounded by going through this experience? Of having a podcast? Yeah. The the podcast or community, whatever aspect of it that you that seems to, you know, grab you. Is there anything in particular that you're just like, <gasps> can you believe it? Never would have thought two years ago. <laughs> well, I, I uh, on a personal side, my tech skills are have really oh my God, grown tremendously. Never would have thought yeah. in two two years ago that we would be, you know, doing uh, live streaming with multiple cameras and stuff like that for our time of the month show. Uh, the my wine my wine skills have mm. also increased. I'm impressed. You've got that palette has, has grown gr- from pal- it, from panties to real like serious. No, it's, like, it's a sparkler. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. Mm. Right. Uh, and uh, my my dad will always be like, uh, okay, here comes the wine snob now because I'll have a whole <laughs> just like you do for our for our podcast, yeah. right? I have a whole story about the wine and the region when I when yes. I when I'm sharing it with other people. So um, not to come across as um, you know a, a, a know it all, but it's more of a. Um, an uh, uh, excitement that yeah. I know this story and I want to share it. Uh, I think th- I'm just blown away, Emily, that uh, the people that we've met, the the p- women and the men that we've mm-hmm. talked to, and the learning their stories, listening and sitting with them while they're telling us their stories hasn't given me um I mean I already had a a a, a, you gra- were open. a, a yeah a open and grand view of the world. Yeah. But it has has opened my eyes even further to areas that I was not aware that I was lacking on understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh that's just been such a gift and um and we have presented these conversations and have had these conversations from a point of love and compassion. Nobody that we've had a conversation with, have we done that in a sense of, oh, if we have her or him on our show, it'll move us to this other echelon. Right. You know? We've never had intentions of... Right. We right. have, uh, like, um, if when we talk about uh, madness in a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, I, he talks about um, people being having dignity and um and everybody is born with that dignity and if we recognize the dignity in others and you see that person as a person mm-hmm. and as an end not as a means to an end mm-hmm. and so it really hit me today listening to his podcast and I was like I think we've done that on our show I think every person we've had has been with dignity mm-hmm. we've not we've not had anybody that we that we felt 
in an artificial sense Mm-mm. would move us someplace else. No, not at all. In fact, we've had conversations with people that we've felt differently than their perspective in moments, you know, and we've we've had a real broad range. Like everybody that's here isn't 100% aligned with our own personal stories or personal experiences or even out of the gate, you know, people who yeah. will say yes to everything we have to say, you know, and and I, I agree so much uh, with with your thing, your statement of, you know, we've invited these conversations to approach them openly and honestly, mm-hmm. you know, and in I too, like you, I feel I've really, really grown. Like I, I feel like when I moved to St. Louis, I was on that search to grow. Like I knew I needed to, to, um, to learn mm-hmm. and listen more and it's been a really great place to do that because things are very volatile in this particular city. But it's not just the city. It's the world right now, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's it's all these things that are being put under pressure. And so I really feel so blessed by how my perspective has broadened by having people who have had very different lives than me mm-hmm. come sit at our table and talk about, you know, what it was like trying to find a daughter who was missing and they suspected was either a victim of sex trafficking or murdered. Mm-hmm. You know, to, you know, talk about, you know, women who were really taking on their own, you know, sexual power and and not being ashamed to be who they are and live how they want to. And I just, I've found so much strength in these conversations. And um, that has been the thing that has, to me, been the most, I mean, one of the most powerful and rewarding things about this journey. And then just to follow on to that, the generosity of every guest to tell us their stories, yeah. to to open up and share. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who it was, but she said that she was like, I, I didn't expect to come here and, and tell you that story yeah. today, or, or I've never shared this with somebody before. And, uh, you know, and then she goes to, on to tell us, you know, about, um, you know, leaving home at 13, Yeah, you know, um, I think that's that um, that generosity and and authenticity and vulnerability that, of our guests and and what they've given to us in that manner. Don't you think that is so? I mean, it's just needed, right? I mean, it's always needed. Period. But right now, I feel it is such a pivotal time. I I, for that. I agree, but I I think, but why? Why has it why has it taken until now or is it until is it going to really be different? I mean, why how have we as a society or uh, and I'm talking gener- generalities here gotten so comfortable in prior to our current situation in a a functioning world that didn't have depth on the cor- on, you know, depth on the surface. Everything was Nice, easy, fun, make me happy, keep me happy. Um, do you think that that's a world thing or do you think it's an America thing? Because honestly, I mean, I'm very thankful that we are in America because we have had a lot of privileges here. But, you know, those privileges are not too—they're uh, they're not— 
they haven't been around forever. You know, they, you know, we talk about we've talked a lot about the suffragist movement and you know our, our and civil rights and all of these things that are not actually all too you know they're not too old in this country so and i think you know if you look around the globe there are a lot of countries right now that don't have the same kind of opportunities that we do here so i'm curious about this concept of you know when we're throwing the world in at it is this a i mean it, is it the world that is starting to suffer in by you know t- by not acknowledging these privileges or is it an america problem or is it a, a first world issue well i i would have to say my, uh i definitely first world mm-hmm. i i think definitely in the in the world of luxury mm-hmm. regardless of where you are you have a different you have a you have a different level of connections. Mm-hmm. Obviously I can speak from experience there <laughs> obviously but right. I I think that in my my experience uh the United States of America has exported an idea of what an American life is. Mm-hmm. And you know 2.5 kids, a house in the suburbs, dog, white picket fence, cat. a dog, cat, minivan and um and truck. And and we have and a sports car for those who are really killing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to mention the debt yeah. that it got, takes to go into that. But you know, this American dream. You know, yeah. they've exported this American dream, and we have fallen for that too. Those of us that live here, and we have through the disruption. Um, and I've said this before: if the one good thing comes out of uh, the current administration leaders' time. In the White House, is the just that that our institutions, the cracks are showing, mm-hmm. and and that they need to be that they need to be fixed. Um, but we have we've been I think we've fallen for that idea of the American dream or the idea of American exceptionalism that could never happen here because we're so great. Mm-hmm. We could never have put people in concentration camps because we're so great. Oh my God. But we do. We do. And we oh, yeah. did, right? Yeah. In, in World War II, we had the Japanese internment camps. We have children we are on at the border. the border right now. Yeah. And we're not marching and stomping our feet and going down there and and demanding anything different, mm-hmm. which blows my mind every day. Yeah, um, we're not ashamed. We're not. Of I mean, that. collectively, collect. Yeah, there's know? individuals who are outraged by it. Right. Right. That rage doesn't solve the problem. Right. 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 Because what's going to solve the problem is empathy. And yes, yes, empathy, it, and we knowing that we have to be better, and the the way we are better is we work together, and we and we we look at each other as human beings with dignity. Yeah, you know, as opposed to a person who um, came over here, uh, you know, and is, is now isn't allowed to be here, and so we'll just take your child away from you. Yeah, um, and and. Now they're gone. You know, and they're just gone. It's astounding to me when you think about, like, okay, so think twenty three and me, and all these, you know, all these programs that show you your genetic history, 
And every and all the commercials, right? All these people like, I'm so excited to learn. I always thought I was Irish, but guess what? I'm German. Or, you know, like all these stories of people discovering their past. And and we're all so hungry to feel that connection to our roots. And it's so interesting because many of the families, when they moved here, felt compelled to disconnect from those roots so that they could integrate easier. And in a lot of times, it was a legal thing. Like, you cannot—you couldn't speak anything but English or—you know, there was there was actual ramifications to not integrating, um, you know, more cleanly. So it's just interesting to me that— Inside, we long for that connection to our past. There's been all these measures that have prevented that um, up until now. And and we are so quick to, when we finally learn about our roots, be really excited and embrace it. But we're quick to judge others who are new into this country (laughs) You know, we might be one or two or three generations deep. I'm two. No, or like my, so my dad's father's from Ireland and he came Mm -hmm. over to Canada in 1923. Mm -hmm. So that's, then my dad was born in Canada and was adopted. So you're first generation. He came to the States in 1948. You're first generation on your dad's side. Yeah. But on my mom's side, they came over on the Mayflower. Yeah. So... You know, that is just, that's something that to me is just really, it's so hypocritical when you think about, you know, those who yeah. are, you know, keep those borders tight. Well, would you be here if they were so tight? No, I, you know? I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. Right. Um, but I think we, we, <laughs> we idealize the immigrants before the European immigrants, right? We idealize that. We don't idealize the Latin um, American or the Hispanic immigrants. We do not idealize, um, you know, uh, uh, people from Africa. You we know, whether will. they, whether you know, immigrants or those that were um, enslaved. You know, we we feel like the right immigrant is the white. Immigrants, as I mean, that's been you know uh, definitely that, the 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 flavor of yeah the current administration. Do you think? I mean, I'm curious about that a little bit. Um, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but I wonder if it's just time too. Like, you know, if thirty years from now. Will it be the same, you know, because, you know, more of the, you know, the Latin American community will be, I mean, Well, demographically, it, it will not be the same as it is today. Right. Dem- I mean, the demographics are are clear that um, the there will be um, more of an equal versus majority white. And that is what's scary to the those who those, have the power, those who have and the, the power, right? And and um, and that that and that system has served them well, and true. they don't want that system to change. Which yeah. we are at that crossroads where the we 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 need to demand a different system, and you know I think about think about how the countries, um, you know Europe. 
even in Latin America or South America, you know, the number of times they've gone through upheaval and, and change in governments and things like that. Um, and, uh, are, are we at that, at that point I in our, feel like we are, don't you? In our, in our history, you know, we're two hundred and something years old, two hundred and fifty yeah. years old almost. Or are we? I don't know. I feel. I, don't I feel like things are really at a at a place that they are. Um, I I think it's eerie right now. Actually, you know, we've got COVID, which is making people feel really pent up. And, you know, and that we've seen, we've seen some kind of retaliation from that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and then there's this frustration of not having a voice by a large segment of our population. And so you combine these various factors of being pent up, not having the voice and, um, and total disregard of, 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 what's right, you know, by our Mm -hmm. leadership, you know? And so I think we are in this moment that seems really like, I don't know. I think it's going to, things are going to go one way or another. I don't think they're going to sit in the middle. They can't. Right. They can't sit in the middle anymore. Um, the The fact that we have sat in the middle for so long is what has perpetuated the injustices, the lack of the voices of, mm-hmm. of you know, um, the marginalized persons of color, LGBTQI, LGBTQIA+, <laughs> yeah. women, um, because, because we... Because everything was going along fine here, right? And I was paying my bills a little bit, you know. That all that kind of stuff was happening, and and all although we might have wanted a better society, we didn't, we couldn't envision it how we would get there, and uh, we we weren't, we didn't know that our struggles were. Um, we have universal struggles. Although our experiences with those struggles are are yeah. are unique, yeah. But it's just you know the Me Too movement, you know, and or the Me Too watershed. You know, I don't want to. It's not a movement. It shouldn't end. You know, I mean, if it, you know, mm-hmm. sexual assault is should never be, um, or sexual har- harassment should never be. You know, put under the table again. You know, it should not be accepted um, ever again. Uh, and you know, and it was. 30 years ago. It, it was, was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so we as a society and even in, you know, in my life, right, coming, driving along in that, in that middle of the road, mm-hmm. um, not knowing, you know, wishing things could be easier, wishing that I, you know, didn't have to pay out the, you know, ask to, you know, fight cancer to like six years ago, even with insurance. Um and 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 knowing in other countries that you know they have they have different systems and why don't we yeah. use those systems you know why don't we why don't we do those things so i i really feel and i said this last week um we have some great young young people in their 20s 30s 
teens, you know, late teens that are coming up and can help push our country towards a more a more mm-hmm. just nation, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if the founding fathers and as I said fathers were uh were correct and ha- and then there would only there wouldn't be any amendments to the constitution right. you know yeah. it's a living breathing document and so things change yeah and we can, we should you know we should change and evolve with it um but i i feel that we we have a we have a chance and and well and you know what a chance seems like if we don't take it we'll miss it no, I, I think that's the wrong word. It's just word. a pivotal moment in time. It's a pivotal yeah. time for us to keep talking, keep demanding, um, demand better, demand yeah. better of yourself, demand better of your neighbor, demand better of your mayor, demand yeah. better of your alder person, demand better of you know your— Yeah, start local, right? Yeah, you demand know. better of your governor. Um, yeah, because you know it is, and, and I didn't realize we we're going to turn into you know the the, the news talk radio today, but um, you know it's for the people of the people by the people. Yeah, yeah, you know it's not for the rich on the backs of the. It's it has turned out to be that way, but it wasn't yeah. written to be on the backs of the poor. No, that was never the original intention, and you know. When you were talking about, you know, going through cancer and having health insurance and all these things, you know, it, it made me think of um, the Universal Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Yes, right? yes. And, you know, this is something that Eleanor Roosevelt and the United Nations, what, back in, after when World was this? After, yeah, drafted. And it was, you know— one of the, what they saw around the world, one of the basic essential human rights is health care. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And as you really look at that, it's like, what, there's 30 basic human rights. When you look at it, so many of those are not being honored in our— In the United States. In the United States today. Right. Yeah. It, nor are they being um, fostered by the United States— Elsewhere, of course, of course they're not, you know. Um, so it's, it's um, you know, I don't think that most people, if you were to read that declaration, most people would go, yeah, that's, yeah. People deserve to be healthy. People deserve education. People deserve, you know. The freedom of speech. Freedom of speech and, and to be able to um, uh, uh Peaceful, peaceful, peaceful protests. Yeah, assemble and, without fear. Right. Yep. Um, but all of these things are really being—so many of them are being challenged right now. It's really fascinating. Well, because, because the, again, the cracks in the system, right? Mm-hmm. And um, God forbid that uh, those who have benefited from that system— realize that the pie is immense and they, they can share more of the pie and they're still okay. Right. You know, I, I, and I, I think about that idea about the system and, you know, I, I've mentioned this to you before. Um, what, what makes a woman, what, what, why is it easy sometimes for a woman to, 
a sellout betray other women, you know? Um, fear. It's not easy. I think it's fear-based. Who wants another person to fail? Like inherently, does somebody really want someone to fail? Or, I mean, think about think about the, you know, the women who vote against their best interest, right? Or, you know, uh, or who- I don't think oh, they understand what those interests are. Can they? I mean, if they're voting against it, do they really understand? Well, I don't know. That's, I, I, I mean- my concern is that uh, they well, it might be two sides, right? They might not understand it, or they understand it, but think that they're willing to compromise, or um, you know, for their own benefit. You know, they'll they, it's whatever the system is serving them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so they're not thinking about the all not, the other people. They don't have. They don't think it matters. That they don't think that those those lives matter. Those other women matter. I'm trying to go back in time because, mm-hmm. as we know, I had a different philosophy pre, like you know, pre meeting me. Pre no pre <laughs> pre St. Louis pre. You know, I've, I've really evolved, thankfully. You know, yeah. because I lived in a very protected little bubble. You know, and so. You know, I remember, I think I've always been a person with empathy. But, you know, I haven't had a life on the easy street either. Right. You know, know, so I think that that was a hard thing for me to grasp when I was in this protected bubble of, well, I've, you know, this is former me, realize. But I'm like, well, I, you know, I've worked hard. I've, you know, I've paid my bills. I've, you know... Um, I think that because, like you said, kind of earlier in this conversation, we come at it. We come to our, we come with our own understanding that's informed by our own lives. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work to study the lives of others, so that you can make decisions that are beyond yourself and make judgments beyond yourself. You know, yeah. and it's hard to like even say in judgments, like, you know, you haven't lived that person's life. So how do you know? But, you know, I, I think that I, I am thankful because my exposure has broadened so much. So, but it's taken a lot of work. And boy, when you have life easy, why would you like, there's something that has to happen to push you to want to challenge that. And I think that's a problem that we have with the those that have the power right now. Well, I think we have to maybe we look at it from a, a few different angles and you know, there the we talked about the suffragists mm-hmm. and you know many of them had were women of of lux, you know, of 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 wealth, yeah. not necessarily of any power, but they had, you know, they they did well, wealth have, had power, right? But they didn't, they weren't, they weren't necessarily working class, and but they, you know, um, fought for the right to vote for women, mm-hmm. all women. Um, when I, I guess what I what bothers me is when I see a woman, a female politician, a female. Um, uh, uh, pundit, a female um, radio, you know, talk show, whatever, mm-hmm. who who actively promote policies that hurt other, other women. women. Yeah, that is astonishing. And, yeah. and that they do that 
sanctimoniously, sanctimoniously, and uh, as if they have the right to decide what should happen in another woman's life, because those decisions that they're making are are not affecting, you know, them and their and their bubble, right? and I can't, it might have been on the Madness podcast by Steven Reisner or another thing I read today was when, when the rich are making decisions for the poor. Oh, right. Oh, my it God. It isn't to the benefit of the poor. Right. It is always to the benefit of the rich. Yeah. And, you know, there is this like really disgusting idea that poor people can't make good decisions for poor people. Like, right. you know, when you when you look at that philosophy through that scope, you know, yeah. like, why wouldn't we have viewpoints from all races, all, you know, all economic uh, backgrounds, all educational backgrounds, because that's what America is. Yeah. It's a melting pot of all of it. So why can't why can't we have an infusion of ideas from all those parties? I think it's. Very wrong to assume that somebody who's always had the best schools and every pair of shoes they've ever needed to wear in their life given to them versus somebody who comes from a family where the mother worked three jobs and the father worked three jobs and they went to public schools. And, you know, those are very different viewpoints and realities. Well, and I think it's because they don't actually want to hear the hear the hear from the people who are struggling. They don't they don't want to hear. Well, I think there's this idea that poor people are bad. That is immoral that they've made bad moral right. decisions. Right. So they're we, lazy we, or not working yeah. hard enough. So we've made we've yeah. made um the accumulation of wealth to, into a a character trait. Right. I'm a the, good person because I have a lot of money. And we do the same thing with right. health and health care. Yeah. You know, um, well, you you got you got cancer. Tough, tough. Yeah. You know, maybe you shouldn't. Have. Maybe it's your life decisions. Yeah, we got you there. You yeah. did that. You did that to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know that it, it touches one in four people, but you know, hey, <laughs> you know, right. I, I'll be the one that it doesn't touch because you know what, I'm a good person. Right. I, it, you know, I'm okay, and that's what like COVID is showing. Right. COVID isn't, doesn't discriminate. No, you know it's if it if it gets you. Hopefully, you can can have a mild case and survive it, um, and and you don't end up you know perishing like two hundred and nine thousand people have done so far. I mean, I I you know we every couple of weeks you and I are having a download. Like we know more people. Like I've, I yeah. know people, many people, young people. I know a young person, nineteen. Yeah. You know, yeah. who who has has unfortunately not made it through this. And um and every week, you know, friends yeah. of mine who have been careful. You know. Yeah. And well, I mean, just uh, in the. Last seven days, mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, Trump was, di- you know, tested positive, yeah, and he was taken off to the um, to the hospital, right? And uh, you know, and we're going to pay for that. Yeah, we're paying for that. You know, he's not going to get a bill for right. his COVID treatment, right? So he gets the benefit of socialized medicine, right? <laughs> right, uh, universal health care. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you know, we're going to pay for that. And, you know, you think about all of the people who maybe didn't go to the doctor because they were afraid of 
of the bill um, were waiting for the results of their test, but they perished before they yeah. found out that the results um, or the hospitals that, you know, are full. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we have the, com- you know, the commander in chief being medevaced because he needs a little oxygen. Mm-hmm. It, it's there's two Americas and uh, it doesn't need to be that. Mm-hmm. And it's operated. We've operated on two Americas for a while. I mean, yeah, this, no, is, really this isn't just this, this isn't, isn't just new because you know Trump is. Yeah, uh, it's a, there's a growing chasm for sure. Yes, and has been. Yes, yeah. But you know, there's just there's so many so much out there you can educate yourself on and read and listen to and so that you can make even in addition to clearly speaking the podcast um, that you can make even better decisions for yourself yeah uh, listeners I mean I know uh, we we I kind of want to talk about yeah we need to uh, we want to talk about the the madness podcast yeah I I think yeah it was like do we want to take a little break and make sure we have full glasses and then then we should talk about that a little bit and uh, yeah get through the rest of it okay let's take a real quick break okay all right And we're back. Hey. 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 hey, hey. I know. I know. Hey. I'm texting, <laughs> but hey. <laughs> she caught me. There's, a, there's a great there's a great quote by James Baldwin that I was trying to find that I wanted mm. to use. And I'm going to paraphrase it terribly. But um, he says that to, to, be, to be black in America is to have, to be an African-American is to have, be an African without memory and being an American without a voice. Wow. And he said it way better than how I paraphrased it. Of course. But that's just really striking, you know? Um, Yeah. You know, here we are talking about 23andMe and, you know, our history and our ancestors and I go back to here and there and I just think about... Um, you know the <laughs> how much documentation there isn't there isn't available to find the great great grandpa over in yeah, you know, in Africa it's and true. and and what a what a tragedy that is mm-hmm. and um, how can you how do you how do you put together those those family stories and you know and we ripped we ripped children from their mothers in the United States during the slavery times and we're doing it now and we're doing it right now you know and we are are um are perpetuating uh, again somebody's story that yeah that they'll they'll never know their their heritage or their line their mom their dad Um, and that's a tragedy and it happens it's happening right here in our United in the United States the great United States um and I think the way the United States has behaved in the last uh, four years, uh, the rest of the world right now looks upon us with pity, yeah, and and probably a little bit of a like a sort thank of God like, that's not us. Thank God that's not us. And well, 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 it's nice to see the United States fall apart, you know, because yeah. we have had this idea that we are the we're perfect perfect you know the greatest what do they say the leader of the greatest nation or you know we're the leader of the free world i mean such but arrogance is that our, that's our own verbiage like that's yeah, not that's, what the rest of the world the world isn't looking at the united states going oh this is the leader of the free world right. that's our own that's propaganda our, that's our arrogance yeah yeah so so we've had to 
Hopefully we've come down and taken you know, come down a notch. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think one of the things that I'm learning every every year that goes by on my side. Unfortunately, I feel that as a species, we're not as evolved as I would like to think we are. Oh. You know, and in fact, it's far worse than I thought. It's really depressing. <laughs> it is so depressing yeah. when you think about it. So, you know, I was listening to Madness, the podcast by Steven Reisner today. Oh, so good. We're sent, and before we get to back to him, which sent me down like another little path. And I, I was reading a lot about Mary Wollstonecraft, uh, the mother of Mary Wollstonecraft, Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. But the mother, she was like the the early first, like early feminist and she wrote um, a book um, oh, about, um, oh, where is it? It's about, she wrote um, a vindication on the rights of women. Oh, yes. Of women. Yes. Back in 1792. Right. 1792. I've read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still I know. trying to get those same um, yeah. equality, the same education, yeah. the same... Um, chances and opportunities for women today 300 years later? Mm-hmm. 310, almost 320 years later? And yet, even though we've gotten certain rights, there are those actively pursuing, like they're, you know, pulling those back. You know, it's just... Right, right. It's and taken how many years, right? For right, I mean, and she was writing back then about you know women should have access to education. She was very angry at the at the um, um, I'm going to say the Constitution of the New French Republic after the French Revolution oh. because it said it was equal rights for all, but they were excluding women because they were a part of all, right? Right. How do you define all? Oh well, only white men, only French men, you know, <laughs> yeah. things like that. Right. Um, and so she was, she was really, um, you know, ahead of her. <laughs> Apparently, way ahead of her time because we're still uh, struggling for those types of equal access and equal opportunity. And it's almost like uh, women have we have we have carried such burdens. And I'm th- talking collectively across you know generations. Mm-hmm. And Mary Mary Wollstonecraft had had a an affair with an American man that um, she had a daughter with first oh. before. Before the, her married? second daughter, um, Mary, wow. Mary Shelley. And the American man, um, no surprise, he made all kinds of promises <laughs> and uh, he didn't, he left. Didn't deliver. Yeah, they, they met in Paris oh, and boy. then he went, um, I think he went to England, back to England and he had to do some stuff and, you know, he was going to come back for her. So she followed him to England and he'd already taken up with somebody else. No surprise. Right. <laughs> no surprise. And she was pretty, she was like, you know, devastated. Devastated. devastated and by she's it. a horror because she's had a child out of wedlock. Exactly. Right. But she's still like, raised that child and that she still did some work for this American man because she was hopeful that maybe, I mean, gosh, the story is just, you know, heartbreaking, heartbreaking and, and also and common, <laughs> still common today. Right. So, so you have, and that was, you know, women didn't have children out of wedlock and keep yeah. them. 
right? Right. And then um, she uh, then like, she went to Norway and and um, came back or whatever. Then she met Mr. Gibbons, had um, had her second daughter, and died of uh, a few days after childbirth. Mm. Uh, Mary Mary Shelley. So, but when she was talking about oh, that's so fascinating. That her I didn't know that she died that, that childbirth isn't that just helps you understand how. Maybe she, she came up with this idea of like bringing a body back to life with Frankenstein. Oh, I don't know. We'd have to probably. I, I bet you there's been literature students that have already like. Oh, that's know. so interesting. Um, Go ahead. She sorry. was and, and Mary Mary Wollstonecraft was only 38 when she passed away. Very young, um, definitely. And she she her dad was the. Um, had, had his father had had a great uh, company, had lots of money, but her father squandered the money, and so she got moved around a lot. Um, and he was a drinker. He would beat her mother. Oh she would God. lay outside her mother's door to try to, you know, prevent her father from beating oh, her. Geez. And then she learned that the whatever meager inheritance that was left was going to go to her brother, not her or her sister. Right. So you know, all of these like you know sharp distinctions between what. Um, the society felt was important versus versus what they what women could have, and so you know whatever a man needed, right? You you give it to the man. We continue fast forward to today. How many women are are raising children by themselves because you know the right. the the um, oh, the father promise. Yeah. has broken promises uh, hasn't shown up. Um, how many how many women have to keep jobs and children and you know and and all of these struggles and we we keep we to keep things going and keep things together and and uh, and to to bring those children you know forward in life and you know the women are always judged if they're working too hard and they're not there for enough for their kids or they're judged because they're not working hard enough or they're judged because they don't have a father around or they're judged because you know there's like they're the women are constantly being and our society doesn't is not designed to help women mm-hmm. it's not designed it hasn't been so all of these equality measures and equity measures that women have been pushing for for 320 years we get we get like a drop here well you can vote we get a drop yeah. here but the system is still designed to keep you down right yeah oh completely you know and um so i think we can spend a whole two three four five podcast episodes on mary wollstonecraft but yeah i highly recommend you know going down um going down that road doing the reading listening to there's lots of great things out there um she's pretty fascinating she's an amazing person and then it made me think about like rereading pride and prejudice because she talked about the changes that needed to happen is women needed to to change their manners Mm. and not like you know not using your hands um using forks and knives but like changing your manners and not accepting the idea that a proper woman is a woman who is meek and right. dainty and fragile sure. and um, lives to, you know, uh, needlepoint and mm-hmm. so and, and domestic, you know, not um, not falling. Silent. Silent. Not heard. Right. And that women yeah. had to recognize that in themselves and then change that. And I still think we struggle today. You know, I said to you. Well, yeah, we've got generations upon generations of conditioning. 
And we, how do we break that conditioning? You know, when I, when I heard, was listening to Gaslit Nation and they were talking about Ivanka Trump and Amy Coney Barrett as being the perfect woman in a white male, you know, in the patriarchy, the white male idea of what a, what a, the perfect woman is. Because she does what daddy says. And and she's pleasant to look at. <laughs> right. And she's not going, you know, and she's a good breeder. Yes. Oh, my you know, God. I think Amy has five kids. Ivanka's got three. Yeah. I think. Um, and, you know, and then and they're not necessarily, I mean, they don't challenge the... Yeah, authority. The patriarchy. Yeah, and then that made me think. It's like, well, what? How are do you and I fall into that 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 idea of what is the perfect woman? Are do we succumb to the images in our media, in our Hollywood movies, in our books, on our social media of what is the perfect woman? Are we ascribing to that same idea because we don't we don't think it could be anything else? I think that's a really good question. I believe that throughout my childhood, uh, my young adult life, I think absolutely I was ascribing to be the best that I could be upon the society speaking what I thought I had to be, right? Which is very conflicting as a young person because you're starting to discover your own ideas and talents and then you're told they're not valid mm-hmm. or they're, you know, they're not important or, you know. And so I definitely made decisions in my younger years to be who I thought I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very common. You know, it wasn't until I was in my mid-30s that I started realizing how terribly unhappy that made me and um, and started exercising my own voice, which cost me a lot. Yeah. But now, on the other side of it, 10 years later, you yeah, know, yeah. I honestly can't say that day-to-day— I'm repressing my inner self like I was. <laughs> like I literally everything I did, I had to second question because I was repressing every part of myself. Now I feel, um, and maybe I think the podcast has definitely helped, but I definitely feel that I'm making decisions and and feeling and saying things because I believe it's right and because that's how I feel and that's based on my experiences. And I'm trying more than ever to be as understanding as open as possible and realize I'm not always right. So I'm trying to like grow even when I'm like, that's not sitting comfortably with me. I'm trying to figure out why, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think, um, it's, I think we're capable. <laughs> I think, I think so. And, and I, yeah. I, you know, I think that, um, there are industries designed around perpetuating that idealized yeah, pursuit of what the, what what is the perfect woman? Yeah, um, that, it's Hollywood being pretty, cosmetics yeah. being pretty, um, being thin, weight loss. Uh, yeah, oh my, I mean, just think. And then if we could um, shed ourselves, shed you know, break through um, that, break through, break free, break mm-hmm. free from that. How liberating, and then how much. Like, what are we suppressing as a gender 
because we're we're trying to be something that we're that we're not like what creativity what uh what innovation what happiness what joy is being suppressed because we're trying to pursue somebody else's idealized version of what you should be well you know that doesn't go beyond just gender i mean think about just socially embracing all of the stories of you know we were talking earlier immigrants poor people people from all different sects of life and you know Embracing their stories and engaging in full conversation understanding can only expand our own innovation and creativity on a greater level. Yeah. Well, and if by embracing other stories, hearing other people's stories, sitting in the moment, listening, you know, it it makes you have to deal with your own, mm-hmm. your own, your own baggage, your own trauma, your own shit, you know. It's all good lessons. And a lot of times people don't want to sit there and listen because they don't want to they don't want to deal. And, well, yeah. and I think that the thing about the COVID and the corona times is we kind of been forced yeah. been forced to deal with some stuff and and hopefully we're gonna continue to force and deal with it within our um and our our um, institutions and our and our government. But we keep promising to talk about this podcast, this oh other my podcast God, it's madness. So good. <laughs> In fact, Michelle, I wish that I've been able to listen to the entire episode. I haven't yet. I've listened to the first twenty minutes of it and I listened to the first ten minutes of it three times. It's that impactful. Yes. It's so incredibly powerful and relevant. And it's not just an opinion. This is a podcast by somebody who is very educated, is a psychoanalyst, yes, right? Yes. And uh, also uh, very educated on the history side of things. So the name of the podcast is called Madness by Steven Reisner. That's R-E-I-S-N-E-R. You can get it on iTunes. Um, And it's uh, where um, capitalism and psychology collide. And I heard about him, his, his podcast off of, um, Michael Moore's rumble. Michael Moore Mm, had him on as a guest. And I then, you know, I was just fascinated. And I I believe he's a professor. So sometimes you just feel like you're in a college classroom listening to his many, many great episodes. I I think I listened to, he he has, he has about 10 or 11 out there. He's pleasant to listen to. Yes, very, yeah. very much so. Um, and so he he had, um, when COVID was coming, he went to France and he stayed in France um, for, he exiled himself in France during that time. He'd actually purchased that place in France when Trump was elected because he thought he might need to have a place uh-huh, to get out. Him. Um, get out of town if, he, if necessary. So he did, a, he's, he's, he's very insightful, very... Um, you you will do your brain and your and eyes your heart. and your heart a tremendous service by listening to his podcast. But the one that he has out now, the most recent episode, I listened to it and I sent it to Emily. Mm. I said, you need to listen to this. And it's called In Praise of Shame. And that's In Praise of Shame. Yeah. Um, Dr. Steven Reisner argues that if America is to be saved, if America is worth saving... Americans must reconnect with the emotion that psychoanalysts and biblical prophets believe is necessary for social change. Yeah. Shame. Wasn't that like, let's just tie in the biblical prophets because con- the conservatives, mm-hmm. you know, 
are highly supportive, supported by very, con- you know, con- you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, highly religious. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, they're using organizations. It. They're using the religion for suppression. So to 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 think about the fact that, like, when you start diving into some of the, the arguments he makes, you know, we've got. We've got such a strong bend of, you know, the church supporting Trump, but yet some very fundamental things are really at odds with one another. Opposite ends. Totally. You know, I loved how he started the episode out by really talking about suffering, Mm -hmm. you know, and how, you know, suffering, he's like, you know, when you really look at the word suffer— and etymology and what it means to suffer. He's like, Americans don't suffer. No, and I think— You know, suffering means— We're afraid to suffer. Right. It means to endure, to bear, to tolerate, right? That is the real word of suffering. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that Americans— so there's a lack of tolerance. And in fact, it just equates to rage on all sides, right. all sides. Everybody's right. up in anger right. right now. Well, I think he said that um, instead of suffering, Americans will go into debt so that no, you know, so there, oh, right. there isn't a suffering. I, I, you think about, okay, well, um, I really, really like that pair of shoes, yeah. but I'm not going to get paid until next week, but they might not be there. I don't know if I can really wait a week because I'll just put it on my credit card. I'll just go into debt for yeah. that. Um, um, and that's a very small— It's putting the head under the rug is what it is. It's like, you know, I don't want to be uncomfortable— I don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. Which And I want to look like I'm very comfortable. Well, yeah, but like it's the whole thing about I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable in my home, in my workplace, in my my neighborhood, in my society. And the things that make me uncomfortable, I'm either going to um, uh, ignore them, yeah, um, put my head on the rug, or I'm going to... Uh, uh, hate it. So, like the folks out there doing, you know, um, and the peaceful protests make some people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and they don't like the fact that the people are protesting because it makes them uncomfortable because they don't want to yeah. face up to anything. They so, don't want to be challenged in their yeah. own ideas. Right, right. And I think, I think the fact that Americans and there's always somebody who's who's willing to you know sell you something or give you something. There's a pillar of that or that so that you don't have to suffer. You know, yeah. You know, Emily, you shouldn't be suffering right now. Have a have a little more champagne. Yeah. Oh, Emily, you know, you should. Well, I be tell suffering. you, there's a lot of people that we're we're using our champagne right now. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just giving you an example. Like, hey, right. have, have, take this pill. You don't need to be suffering yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just, uh, right. Um, but th- to endure, to bear. To tolerate gives us empathy, right? And helps us look at things through other lenses to make better decisions. And right now, you know, the way that our, the way that we're sitting, socially speaking, um, with our leadership, it's not, there's not tolerance. In fact, it's the exact opposite that's being flamed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when the Proud Boys mm-hmm. were called to stand back and stand by, yeah. that's saying 
something's coming. I'm going to need you. Right. Yeah. We're you not going to tolerate the, the results of the election. Right. Right. We're not going to believe it. We're not going to, you know. And, you know, I think that it's, there's a total lack of, you know, realizing that human rights are, I don't know, I just feel like the human rights issue has really been compromised through the years in an accelerating pace. And as Dr. Reisner uh, explains so eloquently in his podcast, hey, we, we've been fighting for human rights and civil rights, especially since World War II mm-hmm. and the UN you know, Human Rights Commission and then civil rights in 1965. And then, but then he said there's a shift in the 1980s when the neoliberals came in. It was oh, the right. Reagan era. And then, um, you know, where people became commodities and we became, oh, right. like, what was, you know, what's the cost of this? What's the cost of that? And we weren't, we were employees. We were, you know, hu- the human cost, you know. Suffering's just, an economic issue. Suffering became an economic yeah. issue, and then then that move that continued to uh, shift forward to today with the evangelicals and uh, and and their view of suffering as a moral issue. Yeah. Uh, so we we have, and it goes back to what I said about you know dignity. We have looked at people as as products as things that can be replaced instead of you know you're going to be the only emily that uh, emily lane that's ever here yeah. on on this earth i'm the only michelle doherty that does a clearly speaking podcast that's you know on this earth it's i'm unique mm-hmm. right you're unique and but society would look at us as well what can they what what sort of produce how can they produce what can we have them do we become a number and not a person and um then he talks about a great example of this was after 9-11 when, um, and, you know, uh, there was a fund set up and to so people wouldn't be suing people. And instead, right. of, just, instead of just giving, you know, uh, the money that was needed to the survivors, they quantified how much your family would get based upon, you know, if you're you know, who died, mom, dad, you know, whatever, whoever it was that died, what their occupation was, what their income was, what, yeah, what value, how much money they might have made, oh, wow. what value was there. So somebody who's a stockbroker, their family got a much higher oh, amount of money than somebody who was the janitor. Oh man, and. But, wow. But wouldn't both lives be priceless? Yeah. Right. But we have commodified human beings. Again, back to the example well, on we've the border. Already, we did that upon the start of our country, bringing human beings to this country, yes. stealing them from our land, and yes. making them work for us. Slavery is the foundation of which things. Right. You know exactly, exactly, exactly. But it and and it's continued, right? Um, it's continued just in different ways. Exactly, <laughs> right? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's not uh, you know um, uh, physical, uh, right. tangible yeah. chains. Yeah, but there's economic change. There's social change. Chains. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I I. I was blown away listening to to his pot to this podcast episode because it just lots of things were clear, and 
and it just I, I thought to myself, absolutely, I ha- I have to look at people, whoever they are, not as the value that that person can bring to me, you yeah. know, in a uh, but just the value that that person exists. You know, right. and then when you start to recognize the humanity in other people, you can't stay quiet and let things happen. Oh, well, you know, it's really a bit too bad about those kids on the border, but maybe yeah. they shouldn't have come over here. You know, right. Like those kids had any choice, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, too bad and, all the Secret Service guys stuck in the stuck in the car with Trump. They knew what they were signing up for. Right, right. There, yeah. Oh, you I know? know. Oh, my God. You know? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it's it just continues on, and he he weaves through um, through the podcast his own personal story with his his family, and that he is his parents both his parents are survivors of the Holocaust. Yeah, the Madness podcast. Yeah, the Madness. It podcast. is. He sets it up that way. You yeah. understand that he is an immigrant who came from a very a, a hardship story, layers of hardship. Yeah, you know and. But he was born yeah. in the United States. His both mm-hmm. his parents came over after after the war. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we just uh, we look at we have to be ashamed of how how our government tear gassed peaceful oh protesters God, yeah. outside the White House so he could walk across the street and um, hold a Bible, hold a Bible upside down and backwards. Yeah. We have to be ashamed that in Portland, Oregon, the the militia that came through and the, you know, the fed, the federal, uh, occupied, you know, that the, the occupying forced and, and, the, and beating moms in their yellow shirts, you know, we have to be ashamed of this type of behavior and yeah. we have to be angry about it. You yeah. Know? I think that's the thing he was talking about that I, I really sat with me was, you know, all of this destruction, Social media, flipping through pictures, videos, distractions, movies, Netflix, the shoes you were talking about wanting to buy, the the wine, the, it, all of that distraction is kind of in intent to to help us from feeling that pain, the pain of shame, and so you know, there's some value in that. Like I remember on our time of the month episode, you're like, he just, they needed a mother in that debate. (laughs) Boys, go to your corner, you know. Don't make me stop this. Don't make me stop this debate now. Right. I'm going to put you in timeout, Donald. Exactly. Just just don't, don't, don't. Right. And not wanting to feel that embarrassment, that shame of knowing they did something wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, he did it. He did it too. <laughs> right. But I think that that's that's the, that's the value in shame. Now, you know, I, I think that sometimes shame goes too far. Like, you right, know. Right, right. I mean. But having a leader in place that feels no shame, I think, is a real conflict for us because. It's been evident that way for the last three and a half years. Right. Right, oh, nearly four. I mean, he has had, he's had no shame the whole time. Yeah, I don't. And I listen. I uh, listen <laughs> to Mary Trump's book um, uh, about her uncle, and he has had no shame his whole mm-hmm. growing up. So, shame is an emotion that he is not familiar with. Right, but there are people around him that are familiar with shame. Yeah, there are senators that are familiar with shame. Who have ignored it and have allowed this to go on. Do you think it's one of those things that once you start letting it go, 
you become calloused and you're you're I don't know maybe we should have Blunt or Holly on and ask them that question <laughs> hey you know what? You, you, know. Like, you feel like don't have any shame anymore once you've been <laughs> down that slippery slope are you no longer I, does, does it not bother you anymore do you not have night sweats <laughs> do you not get how like how is your like, drinking problem yeah. <laughs> how's your stomach do you have ulcers I mean do you get like a pit whenever right. you have to face somebody who is a constituent that can you, know, you look people in the eye yeah, yeah. Can, can you look anybody but that cat Camera in the eye. Yeah, I guess we'll try to get them on. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure they're gonna, you know, uh, uh, answer our running for it right now. Right? Answer oh our, our request right away. Oh. Yeah, we'll get the governor on. You know. Yeah. Um, I I just think that shame is an important um, an important emotion as a society. Not wanting to do bad or harm to others because we have to recognize the humanity and other yeah. people. And uh, I know that uh, you had. Uh, it's, um, noted this as well and uh dr reisner says that rage can yeah. and, and we're full of rage right now rage all can, facets can destroy things mm-hmm. but it can't restore it cannot restore yeah just where the empathy comes in solutions um creativity understanding conversations conversations art you know songs that's that's where the healing can begin, but we have to recognize that we're never going to go back to how it was in the before times. Yeah, and that before time true. can even be like before 2016. It's never going to yeah. go back to that. No, and if we if we are hoping that uh, this magic election in you know in less than 30 days will will save everything for us. We mm. we can't we can't be Pollyanna about that. No, um, and uh, we we have to demand better of of our of everyone, and we have to we have to of look, ourselves of ourselves, right? You know, change comes from within, and if you no longer accept things, and I no longer accept things that way, yeah. um, and I, you know, and I'm talking about on the empathy, empathy side. I, I definitely am not talking about. Well, I, I got 1,200 guns in my back no. backyard, <laughs> right. and I'm no longer. I'm all set for revolution. I'm, all, I'm all. <laughs> I don't, I don't like how this, uh, this, them, their protests are going, and uh, right. you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm, do not advocate for for that kind of violence um, at all. Um, but I think that if we, if we recognize that we are all born, we are all here on this earth for a certain amount of time and we can... And don't we all want to leave it a better place? Well, I think um, that's a that's a great idea that we all want to leave it a better place. Um, I think we can leave it we can leave our this world a better place for you know some you know yeah we can work as hard as we can right now to i mean we have to we just have to do better and uh, i i want to say thank you to all of our listeners for letting us come into your cars into your kitchens into, into your, your thoughts into your thoughts yeah. on your walks maybe when you're at the gym and you're listening to us you know I thank you for you know choosing to listen to us and let us go on yeah. all these like you know 
long yeah. philosophical discussions. And my goodness, we we love it when we hear from you. Like we love hearing yeah. your thoughts. So many times when we were talking with um, our friends from the Clitorati, <laughs> you know, they often say they're talking back with us. You know, in the car or you know wherever they're listening. And they're on the treadmill and they shout out at the Y. Yeah, people look at them funny. But it's just <laughs> yeah. a podcast. So you know, please, you know, by all means, continue to co- share continue. them with us. We love it, and so you can email, you can you know, instant message us on all of our social medias. However, you want to get in touch with us, we're yeah. very easy to be found. And uh, please keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Well, Emily. Um, Here's to oh my gosh, two years, two years, and to many, many more. Yes, happy, happy anniversary! anniversary. Bye.